Thank you, team. I'm walking around the congregation and I'm having a good old chat and Josh said, you're preaching. You're up. You've got to get up there. But I'm blessed. I don't think my wife's here yet, but um, she will be, I'm sure. She's probably trying to get Drew out of bed. But I'm blessed. Oh, Drew's here. He's hot. He's so sick still. Oh, you're at the back. I don't know why I thought that she would be struggling to get you out of bed, Drew. It's just, oh, it's, I'm just must have. That's crazy. Sorry, mate. Apologise for that. But I'm blessed. I am blessed. Who's blessed? I am blessed with a good wife. Who's blessed with a good wife? You know, because not everyone's blessed with a good wife. Like, think about Job. Yeah, she must have been some kind of piece of work. You know, because the devil uh, desires to kind of sift him and, and he kills all his children, he kills his, his kind of servants, he kills all his livestock. But she didn't die. And he covered her with, covered him with boils and sores, but he, he left his life right there. You know, that's all I'm saying. It's just, yeah, that's saying something, you know. That's, that was, must have been a test for him. But um, some of you are relating, I can see this. But I, no, we're blessed, aren't we? We're blessed with our relationships in our, in our lives. Holly's best, um, Holly's favourite verse is from uh, Esther and it says... For such a... Who said that? Someone's helping me. Thank you, guys. You got, I'm getting a little bit nervous and I went to sleep way too late. So for such a time with this, maybe you were born for such a time as this. Holly loves that verse. And, and some of you will be familiar with it. It comes from Esther. And it's the story of, of Esther and Mordecai. It's um, that scene. You know, where everything is looking a little sketchy for poor Esther. And, you know, she's, her life is kind of hanging in the balance. It could go either way, you know. It's, it's like she's married to this difficult husband who has got, you know, some, some serious issues. And Mordecai comes to her and says, hold on. Just hold on because you don't know what God could do through this, you know. And uh, I, don't, I have no idea why that's Holly's favourite verse because it, I, you, there would be no reason to relate to that in any way, shape or form. Uh, maybe it has come in handy a few times. But, um, but this idea is what I want to preach on today. This idea of a, a relationship that's close a relationship that stands for more than just sunshines and rainbows and unicorns. A relationship that's there in tough times and that God can use to bring good. Who wants that kind of relationship? This is my key verse for today. It's Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times... 
And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. What are you born for? What do you live for? It's our series at the moment. We've got the Gather, Grow, Go. And as Tash explained last week, it's the look like Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus. And today we're in that middle section, live like Jesus. What do you live for? Do you live like Jesus? Do you live for a a, a kind of happiness? Or do you look at adversity as an opportunity to stand by someone? Life is tough. It is tough. And maybe there are hard days ahead. But maybe it will be your finest hour. King David and Jonathan really sum up the type of friendship I'm talking about. In all the relationships in the Bible, we see these guys, um, they're just, their friendship is quite. A, a relationship to be envied, but it wasn't an easy one. They were, inc- and they were incredibly close and they had each other's backs through the highs and the lows. It starts off here in 1 Samuel 17. And this verse is just after uh, David's victory over Goliath. Let me just set the scene. Some of you would know about the shepherd boy, David. He was uh, the son of Jesse, and uh, he was the youngest. And he spent most of his time looking after his father's sheep, protecting them from lions and bears. No one really took a lot of notice of David, except the prophet Samuel who could see that God had a plan for his life and called him out and anointed him. But apart from that, no one took too much notice of of young David. He was just kind of doing his thing until one day he's delivering food to his brothers on the front line. There's about to be a a war between the Philistines and the Israelites. Uh, It's a big threats are being made and the famous uh, warrior Goliath who who stood taller than any man, is there threatening the people of Israel. Who would dare come out and face me? This is where we see that there's something else going on in David that no one else had noticed. Because he's there delivering the food to to the brothers on the front line and he sees this giant Goliath blaspheming the people of God, threatening, cursing, and he knows that God is going to do something through him. 
you can imagine it. He looks at this and he smiles because he knows that God is going to defeat this guy through him. So he goes down to the creek, he gets the stones, he puts them in his pouch and he runs at that Goliath, you know, with his, with his what do you call that thing? Slingshots. I'm sure that's not the traditional name. I don't know the Arabic name for it. But I've watched these guys on YouTube and they still do it now. They get these big boulders and they swing them. So they actually kind of twist in the... And they throw it and it comes out like... You would not believe. It explodes. These rocks explode when they hit boulders. And so this guy, he's, he's, I can imagine him just running full pelt, pelt at Goliath probably jumps in the air, does a little Muay Thai spin and just releases this stone, boom, straight down, knocks him out and everyone starts to take notice of little David. And this is where we find 1 Samuel 17. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Goliath, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man, Saul asked. David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. From That day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. There's something that's, that's going on here that's easy to miss. But I believe it's quite significant. Because just before he faced the, the warrior, Saul offered him uh, his armour and David rejected it. But when Jonathan offers him his armour... It's accepted. And this is important because it's a recognition of something that's going on in a spiritual realm. Because David was never meant to take Saul's place, he was meant to take Jonathan's. Right? Because Jonathan was the heir, it was Jonathan's role to be the next king. He was in the palace, he was being trained, he was the firstborn of Saul. But Jonathan recognised that in that moment, amidst with the Holy Spirit, he could see the anointing that was placed on David. Their love was not uh, uh, normal love, It it was a love infused with what the power of the Holy Spirit for their role. Jonathan saw this in David. He saw that he would be the man that 
Jonathan could never be and that the best thing Jonathan could possibly do was cheer David on. And he wasn't, instead of being threatened, instead of being scared, he offered his supporters. Quite amazing, really. Quite amazing. Of course, David was a great, a great man, a, a great leader and had the anointing of God. But I don't think we recognise enough what Jonathan did because he saved David's life a multitude of times. And if it wasn't for Jonathan and how he endorsed what God was doing in David, David wouldn't have been the man that he was. So we have this scene here, and from the very start of David's ministry, you know, he's, he, he's responsible to the sheep. He's respectful of his parents. He's out there in the field kind of doing kind of what he could. But the moment he steps forward into what God had for him, the moment he takes on the, the ministry, God provides Jonathan to be there for him. Like that verse says, uh, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And we're seeing that in real time playing out in this scene. Who's your Jonathan? Who sees something in you that you don't see in yourself? Who can, who's there that, and, that cheers you on? Who's that person that, that when you're down is alongside saying, hey, it's okay, I'm here. I care. God cares. It's not over yet. God's not finished with you yet. Do you have a Jonathan in your life? Do you give enough time to Jonathan? Do you allow a Jonathan to speak into you? But also, who's your David? Who's your David? Who's the one that you see in your life that God is doing something through? That you're encouraging. You're cheering on. You're there for. Do you have someone in your life that you're lifting up? Because how are you going to cope with adversity without someone in your corner? But how are they going to cope without you? But I don't want to go any further about talking about who's in your life 
without bringing squarely to the centre scene, the spotlight, Jesus Christ. Because if there's anyone that sums up this verse, a friend loves at all time, and a brother is truly born for adversity, it's Christ himself who patterned this and modelled this and is still advocating for us. He's still loving us and he never gives up. Do you know that he is with you? Jesus Christ. He is the best example of someone born for adversity have you got him in your life are you relying on him if you would accept him he'll be there for you He died for you. Your sin, your shame, your guilt, your anxiety, your depression, everything you're ashamed of. And he wiped it all away. He was downtrodden that you might be lifted up. To fill you, empower you and help you to be more than you could possibly be on your own Christ Jesus Christ and as important as understanding who your David might be or or who your Jonathan might be it's it's all pretty useless unless you understand uh, what he says who he is and if he is in your life lifting you up Jesus Christ. In um, 2013, 2014, around that time, who was at the church around that time? A few of us. It was a tough time for us as a church. My dad came here and had planted in the early 90s and the church had grown and it was, it was, a, it was a, a pretty healthy place. It was going quite well. There'd been a lot of growth. We'd had some, some building programs and, and the church was, had Sunday school, youth groups. It had a number of pastors. But it come to the time when Dad felt like it was right to retire. And... Um, that was that was all a bit kind of scary for us all because he'd always been there you know he'd been there from start to guide to lead to preach and he needed to decide who was going to be the next lead pastor and there was a number of us that were kind of trainee pastors and kind of preparing to do that kind of role but it all I don't know how Josh felt but for for most well definitely for me I felt like 
that's a that's a pretty big deal and I don't even know how this is all going to happen. But I remember I went to um I went went out to our property and sat near one of the streams out there and just like tried to seek God, try to work out what he was saying and what he would what he was doing and who would be the next pastor. And as I was praying, I could kind of like see in my mind uh, Dad's journey of pastoring. And it was quite a difficult journey in a lot of ways in that there was uh, a number of kind of difficult times for him, opposition, and I felt God put these words in my heart and he said something like this. I want you to be, for Josh, uh, the thing that your dad never really had. Like, don't get me wrong, there was a number of, of, of relationships that were key in dad's life, but God was challenging me to... Um, be there for Josh in a way that uh, I could potentially see his weaknesses, his mistakes and have his back. I wasn't going to get insecure or threatened, but he wanted me to lift him up. And I definitely haven't done that perfectly, but I've tried my best to really... um, to really do that, you see. Sometimes God calls us to step up and sometimes God calls us to lift up. Sometimes God calls us to take a stand and step out where no one's gone before and take on that type of mantle. But sometimes God calls us to recognise it in someone else and just cheer them on. During All In, um, I've been, uh, that was on a couple of weeks ago, I, I was challenging people to deepen their relationships and that's what I'm doing today. It's what I feel God is wanting to do in us during this next season, is to risk, to step out and risk some of our comfort, to step out in our insecurities and to leave them behind to step up, to be a bit more vulnerable, to cheer someone on, to get a bit closer, to deepen our relationships as a church. And to deepen relationships not for the sake of happiness, although friendships can be quite beneficial, friendships can be great, but more for the sake of what God wants to do in your life and others, for the sake of the kingdom. You know, David and Jonathan's relationship was a great one, but it wasn't for them. It wasn't really for them. It was for the kingdom. It was for the sake of Judah. It was for the sake of Israel. And God wants us to have deeper relationships 
that we might grow, that we might live a little more like Jesus, that we might be challenged and encouraged and be more than we could be on our own for the sake of our town, to tell people the good news, that through Christ they are new, the old has gone, the new has come, that in him is freedom, in him is light and hope, in him is freedom from uh, pain, in him is healing and wholeness. You see, the thing is uh, to, uh, to know, it, it kind of like takes knowing someone to be able to truly encourage them. It takes being hurt by someone to model forgiveness. And it takes knowing someone is going in the wrong direction to point them in the right direction. And it takes us feeling someone's adversity for us to be able to be there in it with them. I'm going to ask... Um, Matt and Chu Lee to come up now. We've got a little testimony spot. Would you like to give them a hand? And I'm wanting them to share and talk a bit about their experiences uh, with friendship and stepping up and doing the kind of things that God has been calling them to do. So um, are you guys nervous? Always. <laughs> Sorry, I'm here. I was a brother Feel. born for adversity. Yeah, you sure are. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's cute. <laughs> so Matt and Julie, they, uh, they understand the importance of friendships and healthy relationships. And so they've decided to open up their home to host a uh, home group and to be home group leaders. How long have you guys been doing that? Oh, started COVID, so was that 2020? Four years. Four years. Mm. Okay. All right. Yep. Good. So let's uh, let's start. You guys ready? All right. Have friendships come easy to you guys, or did it take a bit of strategy or some deliberate action to to kind of create friendships in your life? Well, for me, I guess I'm pretty an independent person, so I can do life by myself if I choose to do that. And I think that also has led me to be a bit unhealthy in that space, like because it, it when I was faced with challenges at work and and you know at home, I didn't really have anyone to sort of turn to 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 ask for help. Um, and I did seek the Lord, and He He got me through that time. But there's nothing quite like that companionship and that friendship. And I deliberately made a choice. Um, for bringing the Betches and the Burgers into my life. And they've stretched me out in a way that has made me uh, more likeable, for one. <laughs> I, just, I just think, I just think you've, you've stretched me and you've grown me as a person and um, you've made me more generous. You've made me to step out in things that I... I probably wouldn't have done otherwise um, and in loving others. But Chile's a little bit different to me. So. 
I think you're more likable than me, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm probably a bit similar to Matt. I am a very independent person as well. Um, and I like to do things in my own terms a bit, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so I think I know that God's really been growing me in being dependent on other people. So like Matt mentioned, they were friends with um, the Bergs and the Betches. And for me, Sarah Jane and Holly are very good at relationship. They're very good at being together. I'm very good at doing tasks, if you know me. I like getting things done and ticking off my to-do list. But they have been really instrumental in um, kind of helping me see that people are more important than just getting my house clean. I still like a clean house, so, you know, yeah. Your house is amazing, Julie. It's very, very clean. Um, so, has it been smooth sailing or have there been frictions, misunderstandings, apologies made at times? It, it has been challenging. Like when you're with people and when you um, do life with them, it is always challenging. Um, when you bring kids into it as well, like we've all got children, we all parent different, we all have different ways of doing things and, and there can be frictions and disagreements and things like that. But, um, you know, as God was, God's word says, iron sharpens iron, like we try to keep in front of us that the relationship and the people are more important than us being right just because we think something should be done a certain way or whatever it is it's not about that it's about the people it's about caring and loving our friends and putting them and we don't do it perfectly sorry guys we don't do it perfectly but in our heart our intention is always to love and care for them more than have our own way yeah for me it's um We've got very different interests as well, like me being IT and, and you guys being hunting and, and um, you know, cars and things like that. It's kind of different interests and things like that. And kind of for me, it's been interesting to see my attitude towards, you know, like if Craig and, and Mark go and bond over something that... I feel left out and I've had to deal with those emotions on a number of occasions like that fear of you know being left out of those sorts of things but I've got to, I've got to understand that the relationship between Mark and Craig is the same between me Mark and Craig it's, I'm not left out it's just our interests are different and and we all enjoy the things together we all enjoy our time together we all enjoy our family time together you know, it's all these things that I've got to look for the positives in and not draw on the negative things because there's always going to be differences between all of us and I think just focusing on the positive things. Um, I was just going to add as well, I think it's, it's a really... Um, good friendship hasn't probably been really modelled, I don't think, a lot and I think this is something that God's kind of teaching us to do and developing because... You know, we're trying to model this to our kids as well, that this is, this is how you do friendship. Like, you know, it's not about always getting along really well and having fun times and those sorts of things. It's about loving each other and what that genuinely looks like, that love. Like, you might not always agree and someone might do something that's kind of hurts your feelings, but it's about, okay, it's all right to be hurt, but we're going to, you know, still love them. We're going to forgive them and move on type thing. So it's kind of modelling that to our kids as well, I think. Yeah, that's good. Because I definitely don't think I was modelled. Like, I don't 
I've, I don't think my parents were very good at making friends and mm. so I've had to learn a lot too. Yeah. Um, just trying to work out how to do all this. I definitely... Yeah, same. Mm, it's interesting. It's good. Um, a few years ago, you decided to open up your home and become home group leaders. Uh, why? Why did you do that? For me, it was a little bit of God holding me accountable, for one, because I don't know if you remember, Josh, but many years ago, um, we were at a retreat and I said that I'd run a life home. And it never left my mind. I don't think God ever let me forget it. And I forget a lot of things. And, and he never let me forget it. It always stuck in the back of my mind. How that was going to come about, I really didn't know because life just seemed so hectic. Like it was, the kids were, were still growing up. They were still, you know, babies really. And um, I was working full time and Chile was getting back into full time work as well. So really didn't know what it was going to look like. But then, um, yeah, and the world changed pretty much overnight. And um, the church needed, needed people. It needed us to, to step up. And out of that came the, the kids, the Life Kids program. And it brought a bunch of young people together that really just blew my mind um, about how much they love God and how much they serve the church, how much they love the church. And um, it really impacted me. And when it came towards the end and things started opening up, it's like these, these people need, need somewhere to go. They, they need... They need a little family. They need someone to care for them. And that's what, that's what we saw and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to care for these, for these young people that, that were really giving out to God and, and serving with all their hearts. And um, we just thought one little thing that we could do is open our home, you know, provide that little spot where they could all get together and they could share with each other and share life together and sort of talk about things, you know, talk about their struggles and talk about um, the things that have gone well in their lives and just sort of open up to each other. And um, that's, been, that's been awesome. There might even be other people here today that God is whispering similar things to. <laughs> Has it cost you anything? Yeah, it does. We love them dearly, <laughs> but it does, yeah. We, we chose to make um, a meal for them each week in that way, so I guess there's the practical cost that we um, want to give something to them. They're young people. They're always hungry. Food's not cheap. Food's not cheap. Inflation, and like teenage boys, real. they eat. They sure do. Sebastian Burgess does eat a lot. Um, <laughs> Anyway, no, it does, but it's not, just, it's not just the food. For us, as Matt mentioned, we both do work, um, fairly like people orientated jobs so I'm kind of constantly surrounded by people and and that's so sometimes at the end of a of the day when I get home I kind of just my body's like just rest just sit in the lounge but you know we've got life home and that that can be a bit of a sacrifice but we, we love them we care for them and I guess it's making that choice to be like this is what we do we want to serve God we want to serve the people 
um, and it's something we've already decided in our mind. It's not a question if we're going to do it. Sometimes our body is like, ah, just sit down. But, you know, in our heart and our mind, it's already decided that this is what we do every second Thursday. So, Like a conviction. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it. Yeah, there's never any out to it, I guess, in our, in our hearts and mind. It's just something we do. Do you feel God helping you in that? Or is it like pretty alone or sometimes or most of the time? Or how do you no, feel God? Because if he called you to do it, does he just leave you alone? To, or is he like, you're on your own now? No, nah, always, he's always there. And it's always very, very rewarding. Like every time after they go, we're like, oh, we're so glad we did that. Even if we're kind of, you know, our bodies tell us to rest. We're so always so thankful and it's always a blessing. Like it's not just for them. We actually get blessed from it. What's the fruit you've seen in people's lives because you've done it? There's been some really practical ones, like some of these young people have gotten married and what? having babies. So if you know you want to find somebody, join a life home. It kind wow. of just seems to happen, like Go you know, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else did you ask? Sorry. Fruit. Oh, the fruit. Yeah, babies. the fruit. <laughs> Got distracted. Um, the friendships, the really deep friendships, and caring for each other like they these guys actually care for each other when we're not around we don't actually have to always be there and i know some of them have been through you know some hard bits and pieces and they've gathered around each other and helped them they help move house they you know have each other around for dinner and they do things together outside of our thursday life home it's good very good uh are you glad you've done it yeah very much so just being a privilege to be a part of their lives and you know I was able to be a part of a, a baptism as well oh, yeah. yeah so that was amazing that was an awesome opportunity to do that and um, that was cool because that was in like COVID yeah and so you did it in your, your house yeah, didn't yeah you? we took, took the great. tank around home and filled it up and old Mitch went underwater so yeah it was really good it was a really good time and the pre-marriage counselling came out of that as well. Oh, you've been doing that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's grown us as much as it's grown them, you know, going through that each time and everyone's different. So, yeah, it's been really rewarding, you know, being a part of their lives. It is actually a, a real privilege to be a part of people's lives and they, they bring you in close and share those special moments with you. So you miss out if you don't do it. Thank you, guys. Well, let's give them a hand. So that's, I just wanted to bring them up just to, um, to kind of share this, this, this model, this idea of, of um, stepping out and that it's not just all easy, but, um, but wasn't that great? Uh, it was great hearing from them and being so humble and um, vulnerable about the ups and downs of that. And maybe God is calling you to step out. It might not to be a home group leader. It might be to join a home group or it might be to, to serve or to, to lean in somehow. And I just want to encourage that. As I finish, I want to uh, bring up... Actually, I might get Tim coming up now. As I finish, I want to talk about one final character. And he's not from the Bible. His name is Carlos Kaiser. A famous Brazilian soccer player. Has anyone heard of Carlos Kaiser? No one's heard of Carlos Kaiser. K 
Carlos. So Carlos is not famous because of the goals he's kicked. He's not famous because of his interceptions. He's not famous for his prowess or his speed on the soccer pitch because he never played a single game. Carlos, he knew how to make friends. And so what he would do is he would, he would go out and he made friends with journalists, uh, team captains, players, and he would get the journalists to write newspaper articles about how great he was at soccer. <laughs> Even though he was actually pretty average. And he would, uh, he would uh, make uh, uh, phone calls. He, would, he had a pretend phone, like a fake, because this is back, you know, in the 80s and 90s. So he, he bought a phone that looked like a real one, but it was actually a kid's toy. And he would walk around pre-games, in practices, in the, in the kind of uh, locker room, and he'd be rejecting offers to play at, uh, but it was pretend. So he'd be like, oh, what? $50,000? What? $100,000 a game? Bah, no way, right? And he would do this and do this. And he would fake injuries. He made friends with doctors and dentists who would like write up fake things about how he's hurt his hip this week and, and hurt his, he's got, you know, a tooth thing. And they'd, they'd write this stuff to the... And, and he'd only stay in every club for about a month. He did this for 10 years playing at a different club every two or three months and he never stepped on the field to play once. And he was paid a full-time wage as a professional footballer for 10 years. Almost, he almost played a game once. He was on the sideline. He, he hadn't been able to fake an injury and, and get any doctor's certificates or anything like that. So he's sitting on the, on the sidelines and, and another injure, uh, a player injured themselves and they're like, Kaiser, you're up. And so he leapt to his feet, ran onto the field and as he did, he pretended that someone from the sidelines, a random fan, yelled abuse at him. He started a fight. And he ran off and he punched them. It was like, how dare you say that about me? And he got red carded for a couple of games. So we actually got on the grass once for about two minutes. Kaiser. Carlos. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that um, he never really got to be on a team. Never really got to be on that team. Because he wasn't really that good at soccer, but he couldn't let go of what he thought he needed to be. And so he was kind of like a deficit to the team in that he was costing them something and didn't add anything. And it didn't have to be like that. Can you imagine in another world? He was so good at connections, networks. 
He was so good at friendship. If he'd taken a different path, a path of honesty, a part of being real to who he was and his calling, he could have he could have made the teams he was on so much better by teaching them how to be better friends, how to communicate, how to relate. With his skills used in the right way, they would have been unstoppable. The networks he could have connected for training and doctors to help the team do something functional, right? Instead of just be destructive. Do you know what it's like to play on a team? Don't waste your time sitting on the sidelines thinking because you can't play like this person that you are wasting your time. What is God calling you to? Just because you might not feel like a David, don't stop it being, don't stop it from you being a Jonathan. The Holy Spirit is with you. He wants to empower you. He's got a plan for you. He laid down his life to lift you up. What could he do in you? Sometimes we care way more about how people perceive us and what we think we should be doing than what we're actually called to. Sometimes we care way more about how our friends make us feel than what is good for us. Sometimes we avoid way too much adversity. Would you like to stand? I want to pray for two things. I want to actually pray for three things. I want to pray about uh, leaning in and recognising who your Jonathan might be, who your David might be, but I just want to generally just encourage you to step out if you haven't. I just want to call out that thinking that because maybe you don't play soccer quite how... uh, you think you need to, that you're being a bit of a car loss and you're playing pretend rather than just getting out there and doing what God has ordained you to do. Father, I just pray for each person here. We're not all Davids. In fact, there was only one of him. And you anointed him to do what he did. But Jonathan could see that he had a different path. And each one of us here have a different path. Father, I pray even now that you would bring things to mind. Ideas, giftings, abilities. That you would enhance, that you would grow in us that we might become the true body of Christ, a head, a hand, a foot, 
an eye, a tongue. Father, bless us as a church. Knit us together, God. Right now, I just pray that God would do something in your life. I'm going to ask that He show you who in your life right now could be a Jonathan that you could lean into. Someone that you could take a bit of a step closer who sees something in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself that's good for you to be around. Father, I pray right now for people in this place that they would recognise the people in their life that lift them up. That don't just feed them uh, kind of nonsense. That don't just are interested in, in making them happy, but making them better. That cheer them on in the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd bring those people to mind and bless those relationships in Jesus' name. Father, now I pray that you would bring to mind people in their life that are David's, that they were born for adversity for. The people in their lives that you are anointing, that you are doing things through that need to be held up. Father, I pray that you would recognise in us today that relationships are not meant to be a self-centred thing, but a kingdom thing. And you would help us understand the blessing like Matthew and Chu Lee have in holding people up in blessing people, in in having people in their home, in cooking a meal. Father, I pray you would show us who in our lives are David's, that we can release, that we can build up, and that we wouldn't feel shame in offering them our armour. But we would understand the blessing in that. Father, anoint those relationships in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I just pray a closing prayer on all of us about our time being short and uh, not wasting our time like Carlos did. Uh, God, give us the conviction and the guts to step out and do something for you, do something with you, do something empowered by you to partner with Christ for the sake of the kingdom and his name. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team.